Well, Pastor Brian is at family camp, and um, he's in charge of the prayer ministry there this week, so he'll be working all week, and then he will be here next Sunday for the service, and I will be at family camp, so we're kind of sharing the, uh, the load here. Welcome, and if you're visiting with us this morning, uh, welcome, and uh, if you fill out the little card and take it to the welcome desk, we have a gift for you. And who's ever on the welcome desk this morning, if the gifts aren't out, gift bag isn't there, make sure Stephen uh, will get one for you for sure, okay? I've entitled my message this morning, what does it say? Can you read that? Unexpected winners. Some of the most inspiring people in the Bible were ordinary people who trusted God in extraordinary ways. And if you've ever doubted that God could use flawed humanity or imperfect people like us to accomplish his purpose, then this message is for you today. We all love the dark horse stories, don't we? And now, you know, they're the unexpected winners. Uh, the dark horse, a definition for a dark horse is a little-known person unlikely to succeed who ultimately accomplishes great things. And some of the greatest movies ever produced were dark horse movies, weren't they? Like um, Hoosers. Remember that story about this um, um, basketball team in a little village or a little town and they go and win the 1954 state championship. And then I watched a, a documentary on Rudy. There's a movie out about him, or, and his name is Rudy Rudiger. And he was five foot seven, and he always dreamed that one day he would go to Notre Dame and play on their football team. But had, the odds were against him. Number one, he wasn't a great student. He, was, um, um, he suffered from dyslexia. Uh, he didn't have any money, and so he couldn't go on a scholarship. But things all turned around, and as you go to the end of the movie, you see him playing that winning game. And there's just something in us that's kind of roused by that, aren't we? And I was chatting with... Pastor Brian one day, and we were talking about Braveheart, and I said, I've never watched that movie. He said, you haven't? And you're of Scott descent? Your ancestry is Scotsman? You haven't watched Braveheart? So I, ah, yeah, okay, I'll watch it. And it's about William Wallace, a medieval Scottish patriot, and he became known as a symbol for a free Scotland. And then there's Rocky. Remember Rocky? Anybody watch the movie Rocky and he wins? There's just something about it, isn't it? This dark horse movie that just kind of, you watch these and you walk away feeling something in our core. We're inspired. And that inspiration, I think, is something that, that comes from God. I think he puts it there for us. All these movies affect us in the same way. Someone insignificant accomplishes something great. Why does that inspire us, do you think? A little new known team or a person whom everyone thought could do, couldn't do anything and suddenly they blow everyone away with their accomplishments, something great. I think that there is something 
in us that wonders if God could do something like that through me, through you. And you walk out of there and say, I wonder if I could be one of those dark horses. And then you go home and you get up in the morning and you have to take out the trash. You got squabbling kids. And you wake up to stuff going on in your family. And something like this can lead us into a strong sense of insecurity or inadequacy. Do you ever feel inadequate? Anybody? Ever feel that? You know what? I did a poll this week, and I called about 15 different people. And I said, do you ever feel inadequate? And how often? Every one of them said they feel inadequate. One person said, I feel inadequate all the time. I said, how often do you feel? At least once a day. And someone said, once a week because I'm married. Everyone said they feel inadequate sometime. It could be your finances. Or I could never live up to that. Maybe it's how you look. She's so thin. And he's got it going. And you look in the mirror and you don't necessarily like what you see. Or you go to school and you work really hard for your C plus and your B and then your friend comes in and all they do is just attend class and they get an A. It could be you're, you feel inadequate about your parenting skills or your career or it could be your family. But do you ever feel spiritually inadequate? Have you ever been sitting around with a group of people in a, a study or just in a conversation and someone said, oh, that reminds me of uh, the scripture Haggai 1.15 and you think, I didn't even know there was such a book in the Bible. Or you hear someone praying and, and they pray and they quote scripture and, and the promises of God and, they, and it just sounds so amazing and you think God is there saying, wow, that was amazing prayer. Good on you. And then you pray and you feel like God says, is that all you've got? You know, sometimes we can even feel spiritually inadequate. Well, I don't know where you might be feeling inadequate today, but I do know that almost all of us do at one time or another. I can be the king of inadequacy. Where does that sense of inadequacy come from? Well, I want to show you this morning three things that, they're not the only ones, but I think they're the top of the list. And one of them is this, unrealistic compliments. A criticism. You were told when you were younger I've got those backwards, I guess. I want to talk about unrealistic criticism first, okay? You're told when you're younger, that you're growing up, that you would never amount to anything, that you can't do anything right. And if anybody is going to be the king or queen of failure, it's going to be you. And you tend to put that, try to pretend to put that aside and say you don't really believe that, but 
There's something in your life that you tend to carry that hurt and you let it boil up to be a sense of inadequacy. They told me I couldn't do it. That teacher told me, go out and look for a job because you're never going to graduate, you know. Or your parents tell you you're a failure. And you live with that, and it gives you that sense of inadequacy. And then there's the unrealistic compliments. You're amazing. You're the best. There's nobody else in the world like you. And you're thinking, ah, if you really knew me, and what's going on? You would know that this isn't true. You don't know me. But you've been told that over and over again. You're amazing. You're the best. You can do anything. And if you're under the age of 35 and 40, maybe this would be harder for you guys than, than my generation. Because when I was growing up, you had to win to get a trophy. Nowadays, you get a trophy if you participate. You're the number one team and you're thinking, but we're not, we never won a game. Or I'm not the number one player, they never played me, but I got the ribbon anyway. And you know what that manifests itself in? When we get into the real world, you're not hand at participating trophies or ribbons. And a lot of times we get in the real world and we're afraid to take risks for fear of failure. There are no participating trophies. A fear of failure will keep us from stepping out to take risk. And it drives a sense of inadequacy. And then there's that unrealistic comparison. They make more money, therefore they're richer. Prettier than me. Thinner than me. Stan Andy Stanley says that's living in the land of Ur. Prettier, richer, smarter. We compare our lives with everyone around us. And you know what? Satan doesn't have to make you corrupt. He just needs you to fall into the trap of comparisons. Compared to that person, I couldn't do that, and therefore you don't try. Because you always measure yourself by this, not by this. Satan wants us not to look at how God has gifted us. He wants us to compare and despair. We're living in an age where we're comparing ourselves with someone else more than any other time in human history. And the reason why? Because of social media. It feeds our inadequacies. You just have to flip through Facebook and you'll see your friends are taking cruises in Europe or they show you their beautiful backyard. It looks like the Palace of Versailles. Or you see them sitting in this beautiful restaurant with food that you could only dream of ever consuming. And everyone looks happy and beautiful and perfect. And then you look and you say, 
What's wrong with me? I can't do that. We begin to compare. And when we're on there in social media, we feed our inadequacies and we feel it. And it causes that deep sense of inadequacy in us. Well, we talked about Gideon this morning, but I want to go back to another area in Gideon's life, the first part. Gideon is one of the greatest dark horse stories in scriptures and that we've heard about how he took the 300 soldiers and he wiped out an army of 135,000. It's a great story. But I want to look at what God spoke into Gideon's life before this story took place. Gideon is an example of how God always uses very ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. And God speaks three things into Gideon's life. Now the scripture says this, Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. And when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord The God of Israel says, I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hands of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hands of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. And this in Judges chapter 6, verse 11, it says, The angel of the Lord came down, sat down under an oak, an Oprah, that belonged to Joash the Abizarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep them from the Midianites. Now, threshing the wheat, what they would do, uh, the grain would be all brought in, they would take like a pitchfork, and they flick it up in the air, and then the chaff would blow away, and the wheat would fall to the ground. And they usually did that. Anybody that would know how that was done, they would be in a high place where there was lots of wind. But this isn't where Gideon is. He's in a wine press. And a wine press, I've seen lots of them. Uh, can we go to the next slide, please? It's a hole in the ground. And any, if you've been in Israel, you'll see there's all kinds of these wine presses there. It's a hole in the ground. And here is Midian, Gideon. He's in a hole in the ground threshing wheat. An incredible, fearful man in a wine press. Hole in the ground behind a tree. Hiding from the midnights. Afraid. And listen to what the Lord speaks into Gideon's life. It says, When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you. Then look what the next two words he says. Mighty warrior. What do we see? We don't see a mighty warrior. We see a coward. We see someone who is afraid, hiding behind an oak tree in a hole. And I wonder how Gideon felt. 
He didn't feel like any mighty warrior. He likely saw a wuss. But at that moment, God speaks and says, I see in you, Gideon, a mighty warrior. In order to overcome the feeling of inadequacy, you have to understand this. Could we have the next slide, please? God sees in you so much more than you see in yourself. Think about that. God sees in you so much more than you see in yourself. Some of you, all you see is your inadequacies, maybe as a parent, in your career or finances, your past, you see all your failures. But God says, I see in you a mighty warrior. And when you feel weak, you, don't, you need to know that God sees a warrior in you. And throughout scriptures, this is what we are told about every single person that God has used. You look at some of these unexpected winners in the Bible. You look at Moses, and you say, well, Moses was a, worked in the back 40 with a bunch of sheep, Right? And he was a murderer. He was on the run. That's what we saw. But God saw a man who could become a mighty deliverer of the Israelites, a leader of men. You look at David, a young shepherd boy, seemed rather insignificant as far as his family were concerned. Played with a slingshot, played a harp. He was a shepherd. We saw a shepherd, what did God see? A man after my own heart. And then there's Peter, impetuous Peter, who made so many mistakes, but yet, and we see him as this impetuous Peter, but he became the greatest church planter in the world. And then there's Rahab, the prostitute. What do we see? A harlot. What does God see? Someone who would become a part of the genealogy of Jesus. When people saw Jesus, what they say? He's Joseph the carpenter's son. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? But he was God's son. Mighty warriors. God sees in you much more than you see in yourself. Many of us have this voice inside of us that says, you can't, not me. And God is saying, mighty warrior. And you say, no, not me, someone else, but not me. But look what, uh, in the next, as we get through the scripture here, it says, Gideon says, pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that they've been talking about? The deliverance, all the miracles, where are they now? That the ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now 
the Lord has abandoned us. You think that's a man that's filled with hope? You think he felt like a mighty warrior? No, he felt abandoned by God and he questioned God because he wasn't seeing the miracles that were happening. And Gideon began to make his excuses. God has never shown me any of that. How come? Look at the state we're in. Have you ever pushed back on God and others when they've tried to encourage you or bless you or give you direction and you just kind of push back on and say, not me, somebody else? Or how come God has not did this? He's done that for other people, but he's never done it for me. How come I have to struggle as much as I do? Do you ever wonder? Do you ever push back on God? And then he says, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have. Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? I could just see getting on. What did you say? What, what are you saying to me? Go. He's saying, go. Move. Do something. He didn't tell him to go to seminary. He didn't tell him to go and take special training and courses so that he could become a great warrior. He didn't say, go back and fix your issues of the past life. No, he says, go in the strength you have. God has given you more gifts and abilities than you could ever imagine. You say, then why don't I see them? Why don't I feel them? Maybe it's because you've never really taken that step of faith and went. Maybe you're in a hole behind a tree with excuses. Not me. Somebody else can do that, but not me. You don't know until you've tried. God has given you more gifts and abilities than you could ever imagine. Go. And in this case, it means to die. Die out to your inadequacies. Trust God for the gifts and the abilities that he has given you. Some of you might say, well, I'm not one of those upfront kind of persons, so I can't do anything for God. You know, God uses behind-the-scenes people, volunteers. God uses people in amazing ways that you perhaps aren't even aware of. You say, well, I'm not, I'm not articulate. Do you know what? God has used more people with the gift of listening than he has with people of gab. If you have the gift of listening, there's nothing more wonderful than having someone listen to you and you know that they care and are listening with caring ears, right? That is a gift. Never underestimate it. God wants to use us all. You have to stop telling God what we don't have and start using what God has already given us. The scripture says, his divine power has given us everything we need 
for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Let's all read that verse together. His divine has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. But we still keep pushing back. And that's what Gideon did. Pardon me, Lord, he said. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. And the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down the Midnights, leaving none alive. And the third thing I want you to take home today is that God's working through you is less about you than you think. For it is God who works in you. God in you fulfills his good purpose. God in you fulfills his good purpose. It's about God working through you. Don't ever confuse that. God, my words are useless. But your words are worthy and true. What I want you to take home from this message today is this. And I would like you to read it out loud, would you? God, and I want you to make it personal. Instead of saying in you, I want you to say in me, okay? God sees in me so much more than I see in myself. God has given me more gifts and abilities than I can ever imagine. God's working through me is less about me than you think, than I think, okay? God is calling every one of us to step in to what God is calling us to do. You get that? God is calling every one of us to step in to what God is calling us to do. So what are you not attempting that God is calling you to do? What is that inadequacy that has become a wall that prevents you, that sense of inadequacy, prevents you from fulfilling the calling that God has on your life? Remember, God sees in you a mighty warrior. He sees more in you than you see in yourself. And he's already given you the gifts and the abilities. And God's working through you is less about you and more about him. If you know, if you knew that God was going to be with you in the situations how different would you live your life when the challenges come your way? Father, you know our inadequacies. You know the times we, we just feel like we just can't. We don't have it. And even though you're tugging at our hearts, and whispering in our minds what you would like us to do. 
And Father, we start that old battle of comparing and despairing. But Lord, we know that you have customized our purpose. And you've made plans for each one of us. Help us to recognize, Lord, that you will go with us. You will empower us. You will turn our efforts into fruit of grace. So bless us today, Father, and as we go out into our world, may we get off the bleachers and get into the game. It's so easy to watch the game, but it's a different thing to play. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.